welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Tuesday Not So Deep Dive episode on Chit Chat Money. Today, we're going to be talking Zoom video, a bit of a meta episode because we record all of our episodes on Zoom. So we're going to have plenty of anecdotal evidence. But first, I got to introduce Ian Gray. He's on the show with us every other week. Ian, how are you feeling today? Um, Have you ever heard of Zoom video? Yeah, I I always (laughs) ask that. So I don't know what to say this time. Yes, I have heard of it. uh, using it right now, as many of our many of our listeners know, but Zoom is is our platform of choice. So, yeah, and you were on a Zoom internship, right? So you might have got a little Zoom fatigue this summer. Yeah, but I've had a, a couple of Zoom internships the last couple summers, so uh, getting very familiar with Zoom and all of its tools. We right, were the, we were we were the uh, we were part of the OG Zoom intern squad that first summer, where it was like. Uh, that was kind of the first time I feel like most people were typically in person up to that point. Yeah. So you guys are going to have some good anecdotal evidence. Yeah. The products matured over the last few years. I'm going to let Ryan introduce it. Um, well, <laughs> I think everyone knows what it is, but I'll still let, you know, introduce the business model, all that stuff. But first we got to talk about our sponsor today and that is potential multi-baggers. The aim of the potential multi-baggers service is to find stocks that can go up 10 X over the next 10 years or compound at 26% per year. So potential multibayers is looking at potential high growth stocks like Shopify, which they picked back at $77 a share. That was actually their first pick or their best performers, I'm sure, because of where the stock price is today. There is also a great community around the service. There's a chat community where you can ask questions to Chris, who runs it, along with the other analysts on the team and all the other multis, as the community is called. So you can discuss stuff. If you have questions, you're confused on something. Chris is always very communicative. And he's sending out updates every week, usually multiple times per week. Um, it's a great service. And we and- just had uh, Leandro on the show, who is sort of a contributor. He's kind of spinning off his own service as well, but it's still under the, I think it's still under uh, the potential multi-baggers umbrella. Yes. I'm not sure the exact details. We should probably look that up for the next show. But that yes, but- they have more than just one person running the show there. Uh, Chris is in charge, but they have many, many, oh, not many analysts, but they have a few different analysts. Great team. If you want a glimpse into the way they think, feel free to go listen to that episode, Constellation Software. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to, you know, test it out. Yeah. Uh, Chris, yeah. Constellation was on with Leandro and we have Chris on multiple times. If you want to just test it out, see his analysis, all that good stuff. If you want to become a multi, go to Seeking Alpha and look for From Growth to Value. Google it or go to at From Value, no capitalizations on Twitter. All right, Ryan, introduce Zoom video. Yeah, I think uh, everyone's pretty much heard of Zoom video. Um, so I'm not going to belabor the product, but I will talk a little bit about their actual revenue streams. And there is like, there is different products within Zoom as well that they charge for. So I'll talk about those. And then the, I think the focus of today's show is going to be on Zoom as an investment currently um, and kind of where we think it'll be from here. But the uh, Zoom is a video communications app with some tangential products. And so there are a few plans on, on the basic video communications 
applica- app, there are a few plans that people can sign up for. So there's the basic one. This is free. This kind of getting people introduced to the um, to Zoom, and it puts limits on the time for meetings. Um, and then the second one is Pro. So this is $150 per seat per year. Um, and they charge, that is exactly how they charge. They give licenses, a certain number of licenses to companies. Um, and then they charge uh, yearly. So $150 for pro. Small business is the third tier. That is if you have more than 10 accounts, that's $200 per seat per year. And then the fourth is enterprise. So that's $240 per year per seat. And there's some different perks that go along with it. So there, you can get like unlimited storage. Um, sometimes you'll get sort of a customer, like a designated customer service rep. Um, and it, they go through all the different perks you get at different tiers. But then there's also three other products that I think are relevant. Um, and so they have Zoom Phone, Zoom Contact Center, and then their API slash software development kit. So Zoom Phone, this is their enterprise phone system. And it basically... Uh, enables workers to use their desk phones or their mobile phone mobile phones to join meetings, and they uh, for one hundred eighty dollars per per year per seat. So it's an extra one hundred eighty dollars. Uh, you can get unlimited calling in U.S. and Canada. And then the second one is the contact center. So they launched this last quarter, uh, and this is basically a contact center or a customer support line that's optimized for video. So let's say you're a business. Um, who has to interface with customers on a daily basis, and you want to do that, you want to offer a customer support line that can also uh, use goods video communications. Zoom's the place to go for that. Um, So they offer that now. And then the last one is the API or the software development kit. I am not an expert in the world of APIs, but from my understanding, this is basically a chunk of code that companies can plug into their own code base to offer Zoom's video functionality on their own system. So the the use case that I think of is DocuSign started using Zoom last quarter. So DocuSign has integrated Zoom using the software development kit. So now if you're signing a contract and you want to talk it over via video uh, on DocuSign, you can use Zoom's functionality for that. Um, and so that's just sort of comprehensive overview of the different parts of the business. It's still primarily a video communications app. Um, but history, uh, there is some interesting history here. So the the founder is Eric. I probably should have looked this up. Is it Eric Wan? Eric, yeah. Uh, how do you say? Yeah. Uh, I'll look it up. For okay. So we're going to go with Eric for now. A uh, li- little bit about him. He was born in the Shandong province in China. He attended university there, but he would take 10-hour train rides to go see his girlfriend while he was there. So he had an idea that he wanted to build a video conferencing app so he could meet could communicate with her a little easier. Uh, That was in 1987, by the way. So this was kind of like uh, novel technology at the time. And then after graduating from university, he parlayed his expertise in video software to a job at WebEx in San Francisco. That was, he was one of the first 20 employees there. And WebEx was its own company at the time, but was eventually acquired by Cisco. And at Cisco, Eric kind of worked his way up. He became the corporate vice president at Cisco WebEx uh, by 2011. And apparently he pitched the idea of a smartphone-friendly video conferencing system, but the idea was rejected. Uh, So shortly after, Eric decided to leave and start Zoom, which was originally named SASB. He took 40 engineers with him. uh, And a year later, after launching their first beta, which was able to host 15 participants, Zoom signed their first customer, Stanford University, where Eric had uh, done some post 
graduate work. And then they raised a $6 million series A, but they had trouble raising money from any like notable venture capital firms because it was thought the video conferencing market was saturated by this point. And apparently Eric's uh, pitch was that, it, yeah, there are definitely a lot of other services, but we're simply better. And that's proven to be correct. Uh, uh, now we can look at look back and say that. Um, and then seven years later, so 2019, they IPO'd. It was a hot IPO. I remember, I think we discussed this in either 2019 or 2020 prior to COVID. And we thought, ah, you know, it's a good business, but it's it's quite the it's quite the multiple. And then they basically 5X sales uh, throughout COVID because everyone started adopting the solution. Um, so that was quite the catalyst for them. Today, they stand at a uh, market cap of what? 30, 36 billion. Um, but they, it's been a wild ride, especially this last year. I think they're down more than 50% from their highs. Oh, even more. Yeah. I believe market cap, peak market cap, you can probably look that up, Ryan. That'll move right into industry and competition. Very simple one. Um, video meetings and conferencing market was estimated to be about $5.8 billion in 2020. And as you can see, when we go through the earnings, um, well, it's growing quickly in 2021, but Zoom is a good mark proportion of that. So they have quite a bit of market share. And this industry, this call niche one of video meetings and conferencing specifically is expected to double by 2028. That's kind of the analyst consensus, but really who knows for sure. Competitors, I'm sure a lot of people know them, Microsoft Teams, WebEx, Google Meet. And then with the ancillary products, uh, like Ryan was mentioning, contact center, phone stuff, um, going live, you know, kind of those live events, uh, record events, stuff like that. They compete with smaller companies like Five9, who they actually were trying to acquire at one point, and Vimeo, stuff like that. You know, all sorts of video tools are going to be competing with with other companies. All right, Ian, you want to hit management and ownership? And it is Juan. So that, Eric that's, how Juan. Pro- that's how you pronounce his last name. Yep. So he's the CEO, as Ryan was talking about. He's got a technical background. And I remember a couple of years ago, I don't know if you guys remember this, but he was on Twitter and like interacting with people and people were bringing up little bugs. And he was actually like going in and fixing the bugs himself in the code. And so that seemed to be something I haven't seen him do that in a long time, but it seemed to be something he was doing um, a couple of years back. He still owns about seven and a half percent of the company, but that number has been decreasing. Um, and even with it decreasing a little bit, it still makes him the largest shareholder in the company. They've also got a dual class um, voting structure. He said a few months back that he was, I just, I find this somewhat ironic, but that a few months back, he was experiencing Zoom fatigue himself, just like all of us. And I think part of that helped him realize that he needed to turn Zoom into the communications platform for a hybrid office future. It wasn't that being fully remote for most people probably wasn't going to be the solution. And so that they're trying to create a hybrid work environment. Um, as Ryan mentioned, he was born and raised in China and has a pretty impressive story, but there are some concerns and I'm just going to point this out just because people talk about it, that there are concerns from some people that uh, zoom might be too connected to the Chinese government. Uh, it suspended some ch- accounts of Chinese activists um, like, uh, like anti-establishment activists um, anti-government activists a few years ago and um, the five nine merger didn't go through in part because of um, some concerns about uh, the involvement with China and some investors and stuff like that. So that's something that is kind of in the uh, it's part of Zoom's story right now. 
It's for you. Credentials to advance, confidence to stand out in your career. At Regent University, you'll join more than 30,000 world changers making a difference in high-demand fields. Pursue your bachelor's, master's, or doctorate online or on campus in Virginia Beach. Your degree from top-ranked Regent University is waiting. So is the world you will elevate. Say yes to your purpose and position yourself for a brighter future. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Regent.edu slash learn more. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a concern people have brought up when I was uh, trying to talk about it on Twitter. Uh, I'll move into valuation. Market cap, $36.6 billion. Ticker is ZM. Don't get confused. There are a few others out there. Make sure to go slowly when looking up the, the right company. Yeah. I've seen that problem happen before with the other Zoom that was up what a hundred, not a thousand percent in a day <laughs> back in the the pandemic times. Enterprise value is thirty one point two billion. Now let me explain this quickly. They have a, you don't go over the details on the balance sheet, but enterprise value is just taking the market cap, subtracting out the net, the, subtracting out the cash, and adding back any debt or any long term liabilities that they may have. There's a lot of nuance to whatever one you might want to calculate, but for them, they have a very large net cash position. So their enterprise value is down to 31.2 billion. And you don't go over the balance sheet more of the details and the exact numbers there. EV to free cash flow, which is enterprise value to free cash flow. And that's just taking enterprise value divided by the free cash flow is exactly 20 right now. So right close to the market average, actually slightly below it. And we can kind of get into how. The valuation has come down rather quickly. Um, just a little bit of share count notes. Share count went from 270 million to 300 million from the start of the pandemic. So a little bit of dilution, but not as bad as a lot of the other SaaS companies out there. And they just announced a $1 billion buyback program. So this is when they buy back shares from existing shareholders. This reduces the total shares outstanding. And if you are a remaining shareholder, it increases your ownership of the business without doing anything. So it's a way to return capital to shareholders and hopefully increase earnings per share, free cash flow per share, all that good stuff. I don't have the exact numbers on the granting pace. I didn't write it down, but the granting pace for options and RSUs, which is kind of what your leading indicator is for future share dilution, isn't that bad, but they still have a lot of options and RSUs outstanding. So they used to be a heavier SBC company, but now it looks like it's kind of tamed down a bit as they've started generating a lot of cash. All right, Ryan, do you want to hit earnings? Yeah, they just wrapped up their full year. So it's nice and easy for me to get some of these metrics. Um, and at the end of the most recent quarter, Zoom had 510,000 customers with more than 10 employees. So kind of just a wild figure to think about how how big they are today. Um, that was only up 9% year over year. Keep in mind, they are lapping maybe one of the single greatest uh, like catalyst. years. Catalyst. Yeah, yeah, like catalyst for any company ever. Um, and so they, it, it's, I actually find it kind of impressive that they were able to grow customer count, um, c- considering that a lot of companies have probably moved back into the office and maybe cut some of their licenses. Um, but then uh, customers spending more than $100,000 in revenue jumped 66% year over year. So they're seeing right now about 50% of their revenue comes from enterprise customers. That was actually, it was only 44% a year ago. So they're seeing enterprise become a bigger part of their business. Um, it seems like a lot 
there was a lot of churn, I guess, from smaller companies that signed up initially during COVID and they had the one-year program and then they just stopped using it. So it's moving more, skewing more towards uh, enterprise customers. And then for the full year of 2022, Zoom had $4.1 billion in revenue. That was up 55% year over year. They are guiding for revenue growth of about 11% next year. Um, So still expecting a strong uh, upcoming year. And then if you exclude a litigation settlement, they had about 38% free cash flow margin. So really strong profitability. Uh, And then I guess two other important figures I'll note, they ended the year with 191,000 enterprise customers and enterprise customers were growing at about 35% annually. And then their net dollar expansion rate. So uh, how much more their existing customers were spending this year uh, was 130%. So that's just saying that their existing customers or their customers from last year were spending 30% more this year. Uh, pretty solid figure. I don't know what exactly the drivers were behind that, whether that's they added more seats, whether that was Zoom raising prices. I don't think Zoom's been raising prices, or maybe that's them adding uh, additional products, but it's good to see that. Uh, uh, uptick and spend from existing customers. Yeah, they have. They have, what's even nicer is they have said explicitly they're not flexing any really pricing power muscle right now, which you know is great. I right. think is, and I I guess we can talk about this in the back half, but I think they can flex that if they if they want to. Yeah, I think we'll. Some people might debate you on that, but I probably do agree. Um, Ian, do you want to hit the balance sheet? Wrap things up. Yep, this will be about the simplest balance sheet I've ever looked at. They've got approximately $5.4 billion in cash and no debt except for um, $100 million in leases, if you um, count that as debt. So pretty simple, lots of cash, no debt, not, you know, basically very little goodwill on the balance sheet. Um, you know, they, it, balance sheet is not a concern and it's the type of thing that, um, you know, it's not entirely surprising that they're going out and doing a billion dollar buyback because they've got a lot of cash and um, have the opportunity to, uh, I'm sure they're looking at it and saying, Hey, if we can get our stock at below a market multiple, we'll, we'll go ahead and take, scoop that up while we can. So yeah, simple yeah. balance sheet. Yeah. And their liabilities are inflated too, because they put the deferred revenue there, which really isn't a liability in my mind. Um, I would like the buybacks to be higher. I feel like their balance sheet could be optimized more, but you can, I complain about that a lot. It is definitely I think it's conservative hard. and any sort of downturn will be able to weather it. It's a very, very clean one. I think it's hard for some companies that are so... Uh, uh, this is definitely a business that was really in the growth mindset for the last 10 years True. to just flip the switch and say like, well, we're going to maybe stop allocating all our capital to R&D or engineers and maybe send it to buybacks, even though it might be the right thing to do. But they're still going to generate do you see cash. Any, so like, but do you see any companies that are able to like uh, flip so the switch in a big way that quickly? I, I've never seen that. Yeah. I mean, not some try, but they're not good at it. If you, right. Yeah. It's nice to see them like at least being open to the idea. And if a billion dollars is being open to the idea, I think that's a good. Yeah. It's uh, compared to the market enough. cap. You know, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good size. All right. Let's hit the ad break. Pluralsight, a tech workforce development company, provides the solutions high-performing engineering teams need to tackle today's biggest challenges. Whether it's building the skills individuals and teams need to tackle mission-critical projects, driving cloud transformation, or helping software teams to ship reliable, scalable, and secure code. 
Harness the collective power of hindsight, foresight, and insight with Pluralsight at Pluralsight.com vision. Welcome back. Next up, we have anecdotal evidence. This one should be fun, I guess. This uh, is important here, yeah, I think. Everyone, well, everyone uses their own anecdotal evidence, okay. I've learned, whenever I tweet about Zoom stock, to determine their To extrapolate and be like, no, nah, it's not. to Google Meets, it's dead. It's dead, dude. It's dead. All right, Ian, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I first ran across it when I was registering for classes before I started college about four or five years ago. And remember thinking, like, I just thought, wow, this is really slick. This just works really well. I was able to like share the screen and he was like showing me stuff and showing me how to register for my classes and um, before I got to campus. And I thought, huh, that's really cool. And then when it came out um, that it was going to IPO a couple years later, I remember that and I thought that was actually like a really good tool. And so got me kind of interested in the stock, but I've always found it to be just work really well, work really smooth. It's my favorite out of any of the video conferencing platforms, whatever that, you know, whatever that means. But um, yeah, I'm a fan. Right, right. Big fan. Yeah. I have no complaints at all. And I think a lot of people take zoom for granted. I know uh, I won't say who, but I know people that use Cisco WebEx for work uh, and everyone has their videos off. It looks archaic. I've, I've seen it before. We used Skype for the longest time and had problems all the time. Well, Skype's, yeah, basically dead now, I think. Just moved into Teams. Teams is a decent product, but still not as great. I also know someone who uses Teams and may work at the place that produces teams and they complain about teams all the time. So <laughs> well, yeah, that's take that with a grain of salt. This is all anecdotal evidence, <laughs> but zoom, I, I think it's a wonderful product and I, I rarely have any problems with it. It does feel like, I, I mean, I get so much work done. I spend time on zoom pretty much every day. Um, and it's, it's just so easy that if they were to raise prices, I don't know, 20% or an extra $5 a month, I wouldn't really care to switch away. Yeah, It's just such a crucial part of my day-to-day workflow that I, I think there's plenty of pricing power for them to flex. And if, you're, and if it's a part of an enterprise where you've got uh, 20,000 employees all using it, you don't want even, to disrupt even some, that. Even someone as small as a Molly Fool, who we, you know, we all do work for, you do the live shows a lot. Yeah, that would that's be a on Zoom. That's huge even, pain. Yeah, that's even stickier. One thing I note, I don't have the exact data point, so look it up, but they talk about it during the investment conferences because everyone asks about the Teams competition and bundling it with Office 365 and kind of going with an Internet Explorer way to, to kill them and, and Slack. And I believe 40% of Office 365 customers, and it might not be total customers, it might be a niche of them, use zoom so even when they get teams basically for free or for super cheap they're still staying with zoom um my anecdotal evidence i mean good product all around don't need to rehash all that but i think it's hard to see why we'd switch and once our free university account that we're not technically paying for ourselves expires hey don't don't in case they're listening yeah well (laughs) i don't want them to boot us off we have we have the university account they're paying for it (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, by some administrator. Well, yeah, but we, you know. But we're gonna. We'll I have think to, you we'll pay, pay for it in tuition. Yeah, we'll pay. What is it? Uh, well, what are we gonna end up paying? One hundred fifty dollars per seat per year, or is that? What and it's all one seat, really. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just one. Semester. I don't know. Maybe universities get their own plan. Well, university will be on our enterprise plan. Yeah. But still like, I mean, that I think extrapolating that out to a lot of other people might be dangerous, but I think there's a lot of use cases where people are still similar to like a Netflix type deal where people are using zoom, but aren't paying for it, but they're using a premium account. If you guys get what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Let's move to future growth opportunities. I don't know. This one's tough for this. Kind of, well, it's just listing off their products, but Ian, what do you got? Yeah. I think the growth opportunity for them that I'm most excited about is zoom apps which is basically their app marketplace. And it seems like everybody has an app marketplace these days, but I think it does make sense with Zoom that there's a lot of, like I was scrolling through the app store the other day and there's like a lot of games and stuff. If you're trying to do like teamwork games or that type of stuff, um, which I think are less important, but they're there. But there's also some productivity um, type apps. One of the ones they recently announced is DocuSign has an app on their app store now where you can you can basically pull that up. And if I wanted to sign a contract with you right now, um, I could throw the contract up on the screen. You could sign it um, remotely and it would keep the audit trail just like DocuSign's typical product. And so it allows you just to very easily do that in a video conference environment. I think that's the type of stuff that is interesting to me um, about Zoom is that they'll still be like a video centric platform, but that there's lots of apps they can bring on and they're even buying some apps and integrating them into the service. And so like I knew there was a guy at my school who recently sold, he just had a couple little kind of apps on the app store that he sold to zoom um, that they said they're going to start integrating into the platform. And so um, it kind of becomes a little bit of a way for them to continue to build a better product too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully make it stickier. Right. I think that's going to be one of the, the keys for zoom going forward is just making a stickier product. And I think I think the app store helps them out with that. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel the app store stuff. I roll my eyes a bit, but it probably makes sense at least for the stickiness like you're mentioning. Yeah. I think it makes it stickier. I don't know if it'll ever like move the needle for them financially. If uh, I I mean, a lot of that stuff's free, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, so there's a lot of free apps on, on the, um, on their, apps thing. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I was trying to do some research on this and I'm not sure exactly what the relationship is with something like DocuSign, whether that's just a, a free use or if DocuSign's paying them for every document that's signed or something like that. I don't know um, on that piece of it, but yeah. it doesn't seem like it from their messaging. It doesn't seem like they're particularly focused on monetization of that right now. It seems like they're more focused on trying to grow it and add more good apps to the store. So right. it's not exactly the same as a Shopify or something like that. All right, Ryan, what's yours? Mine's the zoom contact center. I mentioned this earlier, but this is their omni channel solution for businesses, uh, to basically offer customer support that's optimized for video. And, uh, it's, which is pretty rare. I rarely ever interface with a customer support via video, but, um, if I could, and it was quick and easy, uh, that would be great. And apparently this was, this product was born out of, according to Eric Juan, this was born out of customer feedback. Like a lot of people were asking for this. Um, and so it seems like they probably had a lot of low hanging fruit potentially to sell to. It also costs about $70 per agent per month. So it's quite expensive. This is probably their most expensive. I think this is their most expensive product, um, from a customer standpoint. So, uh, this I think could actually be a meaningful revenue driver. Um, it's really new though, right? 
Yeah, it literally launched last quarter and a week before quarter end. So it's maybe been out for like two or three months. Um, so curious to see how that progresses. I'm sure they'll talk about it on the conference call. Yeah, it should be big for enterprise customers. Um, I'll hit mine, Zoom Phone, just another one of the products here. Probably their fastest growing or most important ancillary product right now. Yeah. They added 500, 550,000 paid seats last quarter, and it's building a lot of momentum. I think that was a record quarter, they said. So part of the cross, like this is huge for part of their cross sell stuff into their enterprise accounts. And it's why their net dollar expansion rate is 130%, like Ryan was mentioning. It's basically just an enterprise phone system. I guess Ryan talked about that earlier. I I really don't know how like excited you could be about this product. It seems like a nice add-on. Um like, it's just it's nice. not like another Zoom, but it's it's just nice for enterprise customers. Yeah, I think if you're just an employee at a big company it's nice to be able to enter meetings from any like point or like from any entry point so and all the old products for enterprise phone systems are terrible yeah 100 percent. so they're they're awful all right uh no more on future growth opportunities highlights and lowlights ian what are your what are you liking and disliking about this company yeah the highlights for me start with and this is this is my opinion, but I think there's some widespread approval of this opinion that it's the best product in the market, and I think it's a necessary product. I think we're not like going to go like moving forward, and unless there's until there's some new technological advancement where we're actually like teleporting to each other, um, like video conferencing, I think is always going to exist. And so, it's the best product in a field that pretty much every company needs some sort of video conferencing uh, platform. I also think they capitalized on good luck, which you don't always see. Sometimes um, companies are handed a lot of potential and they don't do anything with it. COVID happened for Zoom. And like Ryan was saying earlier, they they basically 5X'd um, their revenue, which is pretty, pretty impressive. And then have continued to be able to grow their revenue at um, small rates now. They also have a focus on profitability. Like even when they went public, they were already um, generating a little bit of free cash flow, which was unique at the time for a lot of these SaaS companies. And there's actually some questions about, you know, are they, why are they making money right now? They should just be reinvesting everything, um, which I think is just a good, that's something I like about the business. And I've always liked about it is that they know that they're trying to generate cash. I think some low lights for me. Um, and I think we're going to have some disagreement on this point, but I do think the competition is stiff. Um, and a lot of that I think depends on what, which of these video conferencing platforms will have the best network effects. Zoom's approaching it from we're going to be video first, and then we're going to have you know these add-ons that that hopefully give us some uh, or not network effects is what I'm trying to say. What uh, the stickiness um, that uh, Zoom's trying to start with the video conferencing platform, and then have these add-ons that increase the stickiness. Whereas some of these other um, you know Teams, it's more about it's not about the video conferencing platform first. That's just a feature of Teams, and so it's just kind of slightly different approaches. And I think that's. I think the competition is going to be stiff and I just, I'm not sure exactly how that's all going to work out. Um, and then the final thing I'll say is the five, nine acquisition falling through is uh, like, I think there's people on both sides of that about whether that would be a good acquisition or a bad acquisition for zoom. And I just, I never think it looks very good when you try to acquire something and you can't get it done um, for whatever reason. And I think with the, I'm not super worried about the China stuff, but I think, it's just that's that's a real tangible example of them not being able to to do something they wanted to do, potentially in part because of the China influence. And so that's just a little bit 
a little bit of a yellow flag for me. Yeah. So specifically the five nine, but just an inability to operate without regulators. Yeah. I mean, de- definitely a bad perception with regulators. There are always, there's always pitfalls to that. And it, it prohibits you from potentially taking action that you want to take in the future. Um, highlights for me, I, I think this is one of those companies where the product is certainly replicable. Um, I think DocuSign is sort of in a similar boat where it's an easy product to replicate, but once it's a part of your day-to-day processes, you don't want to switch off of it. It's a pain to do it. And if you all you got to do is pay an extra $5 a month, you're going to do it. Uh, so I do think there's some... Uh, some pricing power there. Uh, and it's just like, it's, it's hard to describe because if, if you had to, if I had to throw down like a competitive advantage or a moat, it's hard to do for zoom, but I would really hate switching like, and so I, I, I think there's pricing power that they maybe haven't flexed yet. And then I also think Eric Wan has done a wonderful job as the CEO and he's very product focused. I like his commentary on conference calls. And I do think they've struck a good balance between uh, generating cash and reinvesting. So they were at one point at 50% free cash flow margins that happened in like the blink of an eye. And they said, listen, we're peeling back, we're investing more money into R&D. We're not going to have, uh, right now they're at about 38% free cash flow margins. That's fine if you're getting a lot of uh, return out of that R&D spend. Um, I guess low lights for me, I think they've hit market saturation in North America. Um, I don't know how they couldn't. I, I don't know. Are there going to be more people working remote in the future? Well, I think then last year, no, it's true. At any point. What about free turning on to pay though? I feel like that's the avenue because there's a lot of people still not paying. Yeah. But you want to keep the, you want to keep that as an option or else then people will start to look for like no, I know, I know. teams, but like telling like universities to make sure you kick people off when they graduate. I think people do get kicked off. I, I may have been kicked off mine. Hmm. This we may just have uh whoever I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the university by name, but uh maybe they've just been slacking on that. The um I just don't see a big chunk of their growth coming from net new customers. I, I think it comes from increasing spend of your existing customers. Yeah, right, which could be like yeah, international. I, I'm I think is less, uh, less remote work, uh, as a part of their, as a part of big corporations. Yeah. Can't go remotely to the factory. True. The, uh, yeah, I just wanted to add just to be crystal clear for people listening that when we, when we're talking about net new ads of customers, what that really means is net new ads of new corporations. Right. And so all of these, all of these corporations, as they grow and they add more employees and they have to add more seats, um, that would, that would hit, you know, obviously that would be an increase in revenue, but you wouldn't see that showing up in net new customer ads just for people who are, um, customers, customers are the whole corporation for these SaaS companies, not just, uh, each of the seats. So. Right. Right. Yeah. For us, if we had a business one, I mean, we'd pay a little bit, but we're really not where they're going to make their money. It's going to be the big corporations. All right, you I'll sure bet. about that? I'll bet they're, I bet they want us. <laughs> they're targeting us. They're sending out three sales reps, taking us out to dinner. <laughs> All right, I mean, my highlights, it's, it's a really, it's a good business. Great unit economics, 
solid switching costs. I like that they're increasing R&D spend. I think Ryan mentioned it, but I'll give out some numbers. I believe it was at 4% of revenue at one point. They're bumping it up to 10 to 12%, which I think is great because they're still going to have a healthy profit margin unless that S&M spend doesn't, you know, isn't as efficient as it used to be. But I like how, you know, they're maybe going to 3X R&D spend. Hopefully they can 3X their product output because I think one of the lowlights you could have is not that many upgrades during the pandemic, but I know they're probably operating at, you know, really lightning fast speed and they can just probably trying to keep the lights on. But I feel like there's a lot of products they could add, except, you know, they add like the background stuff, they add the filters and all that stuff, but I don't know. There's a lot of things they can add to the, to the platform. Um, I think it's going to be very easy to cross sell this stuff to enterprises and that's going to drive net revenue retention rates, low lights, they're going to have to thread the needle on this free paid account stuff. We've already debated that. I don't really think I have to bring that up again. Ties to China. Yeah, we've already talked about that. And I think there's uncertainty, though, about the end state of video meetings in the future. I know for someone like us, we're definitely going to use it. We're not going to say, Ian, fly up to fly up to Seattle every other week just for this one-hour thing. But other people, I, I don't know. Um, I, mean, I, I think, think there's still uncertainty there. I think there is still, like, the question remains at one point last year, Michael Burry was just like, are we at peak zoom? And it, well, usage. Yeah. But paying, I don't know. Right, that's the question but is we probably need as many seats. If, if, oh, if we're going seats. from full okay. remote to a hybrid work model, that's a decrease in seats. seats. I would imagine unless they pay for everyone to kind of go in, in between, but it just, especially in North America, I don't see us ever working more remote than we did in 2020. So there's going to be, they're going to have to offset potentially some of those customer customers churning with increased spend in existing customers. True. Ian, what, do you have anything to talk about? That? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, I think it's going to be a hard sell for big companies. Smaller companies may figure out a way to, to have less make it so that not everyone is an official seat on zoom, but I think that the big companies, like if you're working at, and I don't know if they're a customer, but if you're working at like, you know, a fortune 500 company, let's say that. Um, and all of a sudden they're like, well, you don't actually get a zoom seat. And so if you have to set up an office wide zoom or a, you know, department wide zoom, you have to use someone else's account to set it up. Right. Like, I don't think that's going to, yeah. that's, that's going to be too much of a, hassle and people are going to feel like, I think there's going to be office politics involved and all that type of stuff. I think for any sort of company that's got any, um, any meaningful size where $150 a month or $150 a year is just, you know, it's, it's just an expense that you have to pay. I don't think those companies are going to be trying to get super efficient about the number of seats that they're paying for. Yeah. All right. The last thing I want to talk about is the competition. I know people throw that out. Ian said he's kind of worried about it, but when Google meet is free, I believe, basically free or really, really cheap. And then Teams is offered as the bundle for Office 365, which has tons and tons of customers and people are still using Zoom. I, I feel like I would it's one say, of those where the competition, like yeah, that question was there like two years ago, but I, I feel like it's almost dead now. I would say that, yeah, the once you've basically given the big once all the biggest tech companies have given free offerings bundled to something that already provides value to a ton of companies that and zoom has withstood it that's a moat test that's a moat test passed yeah roku spotify 
kind of examples there. Ian, what do you got? Yeah, the only thing I'd say, and I don't think it's like all of one day all of Zoom's customers are going to go away and switch to um, Teams or Google Meet or something like that. But I do worry a little bit that it's just a slow decay that every that they that those other platforms start to grow market share just because anybody new starting a business or you know setting something up they've got Google Workspace accounts and so they're like, oh, why would I spend you know I'm a startup? Why would I spend 150 dollars a month per person on Zoom? when I've just got this right here. Um, and I don't think that meaningfully affects Zoom's business in the short term because the, the, the movers of their business are the big, the big enterprise clients. But um, I do think that there might be a little bit of a slow decay, which just may put a little bit of a, have a negative effect on revenue growth going forward, just as they, have, they might have a harder time getting new clients. Yeah, you can be right. You can be right. Yeah, that's um, hard all right, let's say. move to bull case. Ian, I, I don't know. What do you think? I feel like we are, we're going to have the same one here, just steady, slow growth. But what do you think needs to go right here? Yeah, so I think the thing that we've talked about, right, people need video conferencing, or at least that's what I, I, I do believe that people will always need that. And I think all three of us are going to talk about 10% a year. But in my case, I think it's, it's fairly easy to see them going forward for the next five years, growing 10% a year for cash flow growth. Um, which could be a combination of uh, revenue and potentially pricing power if, um, if Ryan's correct. And I think um, that leads to good outcomes from here because at a below market mul- multiple on the free cash flow side, even if you're holding the multiple steady, then you're um, you know, taking out dilution. You're basically getting that 10% a year plus or minus whatever they end up putting up um, as your return. So I, it, I think there's a reason. I think there's a reasonable bull case here. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, the bull case for me, like like I said earlier, I think most of their growth is going to have to come from existing customers. So growing their dollar based net return or growing spend from existing customers ten percent a year at least, um, and whether that's through additional seats or price increases or additional products, if they can get a lot of. Um, adoption of their additional products, I think this is going to be end up being a great investment because if if free cash flow margins can stay steady or it or even grow and they can grow that top line by what they've now guided for, plus the plus you get maybe like uh, an extra three percent every two years in buybacks, you're getting easy double digit free cash flow per share growth. And I think this is a business that trades I don't think multiple compression is a huge concern here. Yeah. Unless the market goes, yeah. I mean, unless the market totally goes into a like, does this compression. Right. In the long term, should trade like in the long term, the multiple compression shouldn't be an issue in the short term. You never know. Right. Could yeah. this thing all of a sudden start trading for 10 times for cash flow? Yeah, it probably could. Yeah, right? You never the, know what's going to happen. But. Yeah. Given the recurring revenue 20 times seems very, very reasonable. I'll, I'll add a very similar bull case. I would add international growth. Could be another one there. Yeah. Combine all those together, 10% plus growth, steady margins. That's all you need. Let's move into bear case though. Ian, what are your thoughts on what could go wrong here? My bear case is that video conferencing continues to trend towards being a commodity and everybody has it. Every platform has video conferencing as part of it. And that Zoom just becomes one of many and that they actually like this would be the bear case that they don't have any pricing power and they actually have to start slashing prices because people are, it, it's becoming 
too much of a temptation to switch to other platforms that they can get it for free. And so if they're unable to, that these margins are artificially high right now and that they come down um, over time. And so that they're, even if they are able to grow revenue, that their margins are uh, falling off a little bit. So I think that's, that's the bear case for me. I think, I think in 10, uh, all right, I'll, I'll say that take um, the, my bear case. There is a pie in the sky bear case here that like work and meetings move to the metaverse and zoom isn't a part of that, but I don't believe that. I think I've heard that bear case stated before and I'm not, I don't know. I don't, I don't really want to you be spending the, a whole. You, you actually watched the Zuckerberg demo and were like, this is insanity. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, not a fan of that, but if that's where meetings go and zoom isn't a part of it, that's like a potentially big headwind for them. Um, the real bear case to me, especially short term is that they are spending a lot on R and D. They have basically telegraphed their plans to spend even more in trying to build out some of these adjacent products. SNM can get less efficient. Yeah, if they, if they just don't get a lot of adoption with their new, I, I actually don't know where free cash flow margins are going to be in a few years. It, it seems like they are uh, not afraid to start investing heavily, um, which is fine, but that just makes free cash flow less predictable. Yeah. Um, and if they don't get a lot of adoption with the adjacent products, then a lot of that R&D spend could be potentially a waste. Yeah, if they get R&D spend increasing and a nice revenue growth, I think that's a good sign. But if they have R&D increasing, revenue is kind of meager, and then S&M, which is sales and marketing, for uh, I'm using the shorthand there, is increasing as a percentage of revenue, that would probably be a red flag for me. Does that make sense to you guys? Or you, yeah. Would you be on the same yeah. page? Um, yeah. Yeah, anything else, Brian? No. All right. Uh, yeah, I have the same thing as you guys. Margin pressure. Were they over-earning? Yeah, they were at 50%. Maybe they're back down to forty percent or thirty-eight percent now. Does it keep falling? I don't know. That's that's really here's, all here's I'm the, thinking. I was here's the thing, though: they were at fifty percent free cash flow margins, and in my head, I was like, "Did you really need to come back down? Did you need to well, invest I that think money?" Some of but, it was because of the deferred revenue. So it's okay. like, yeah, some of it was just it was just build, yeah. but not like recognized yet. Yeah, okay, yeah. then well, then my other thing is like they've been investing, and what's come out of it? The contact center seems to be like a pretty good product. Um, the phone's great. The phone. So if like if you're able to get that out of your investments and you're able to get the adoption that they've seen with Zoom Phone, that seems like the R and D has been worthwhile. Yeah. So margin pressure could be something. I'm just thinking about what multiple people will pay for it, but yeah, I don't know. Besides that, I can't really think of any bear cases, and that might be dangerous because then maybe they don't understand the industry that well. All right, let's wrap things up more or less interested in final thoughts. Yeah, I'm more interested. I think I, I see a fairly clear path to, to you know, double digit revenue growth in the short term. And um, I think the multiple is at a good spot here. Um, and I think it's just a good product. It's something that I'm, I enjoy using and it, it kind of checks a lot of boxes. Right. Yeah, I think I'm going to be kicking myself 10 years from now if I look back and say, like, all right, Zoom was trading at 20 times cash flow and you used it every single day for work and you were questioning whether or not it was like that important of a product. Like that, that would be a little frustrating to me. But with that said, I, I question whether or not it's that, uh, whether it's like 
replaceable. Um, yeah. And I, I actually, I have a little bit of a hard time um, seeing where they go top line wise, just given some of like the broader, like the broader perspective of maybe companies move back into the office a little bit. And that is sort of pulling against their new customer ads or their top line. Um, I don't know. A little bit of uncertainty is keeping me maybe on the fence. Yeah. I'm more interested. It feels. At what price would you be like? "Hmm." Take the risk. Uh, I'd have to research more. I think at this point, it feels like if things go right and whatever we're outlining happens, you know, good returns are there. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not sure of the likelihood of those outcomes yet. SaaS, I know a lot of people love SaaS companies, software as a service, basically enterprise subscription stuff. I don't know if I really like it that much, that industry. One, it's harder to understand for me. Two, I think the stuff, or the, the products are just, they're not, I don't know, a lot of them just aren't special. Maybe Zoom's one of those that are special. I, I don't know. If I'm, I don't know if special is the right word because there's a lot of really profitable software as a service companies, but some of them feel too easy. Yeah. It's just like, like is this, is this just a <laughs> softball right down the middle of the plate and yeah. we're just like overlooking it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. More interested for sure, but I don't know. There, there, there's a reason it's at 20 times earnings. All right. Stock for next week. Ian, your turn. What do you got for us? We didn't, this is a no spoiler. Or we didn't. Yeah. We don't know what this is. Too, so we're going to be surprised as well. Yeah. This is going to be a surprise here, but I think I want to go with sweet green, which. Oh, like that. I'm a choice. big sweet green guy. I, yeah, I I've never salads. actually had it. I've never had a salad there before, but for people who don't know, I don't think sweet green likes this moniker, but basically it's the, the Chipotle of, or yeah, the Chipotle of salads. It is. Um, and so I've, uh, I've wanted to try it out. So maybe someday, maybe between now and then I'll get a chance to try a sweet green salad, but, um, they recently IPO would IPO in November. So we're a few months past the IPO. We can uh, take a look, any, see yeah, how it's doing. To, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure it's pretty like East coast right now. Yeah. I think well. they've held up well since their Tam, IPO too. Tam's big. All right. Well, that should be a fun one. Um, Snowflake with Brad next week and then Sweet Green the week after. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, and Ryan did a good job tweeting this out, give us a rating on Spotify or Apple. Easiest way to help the show. Um, and it takes so little time. It literally takes, you can probably do it in two seconds on Spotify. It's that easy. I challenge you to do it in two seconds. Yeah, you just click two, two clicks right there. All right. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.